Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Ryan, how'd you get your nickname, man? Moose. Oh, I'm, I'm an old dog now, man. I'm 46, <laughs> but that would have been about 20, almost 25 years ago. Okay. I got that, got that nickname early 20s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, God gave me some pretty good genetics when it comes to lifting weights and putting some size on pretty quick. So uh, one day, just uh, some names were getting fl- thrown around and uh, moose stuck, and it's been there for about 25 <laughs> years now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So so uh, was that like in uh, college or? or uh... No, I didn't go to college, just uh, early 20s. Uh, I kind of, I was in a little bit of running, actually, losing some weight. I was getting a little fluffy, you know, in my early 20s. Sure. Got my buddies, like, we started running and did a little bit of weight training. And to be honest, at first, I hated the weight training. Yeah. And uh, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, he kind of took me underneath his wing and about three months later, I went from about 190 to about 225. And it was like, mm. oh, <laughs> yeah. I just blew up. Like, yeah, this is my thing. <laughs> so, yep. And ever since then, I've been doing it. Yeah, man. The, it doesn't take long to scroll on your Instagram page. You can see that you're you're definitely into lifting weights now and you've maintained that. You, you've maintained your nickname, man. You're, you're, a, you're a beast. But, yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not quite as I used to be, but I, I still try to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting older, joints, joints kind of hurt and it, it gets uh, a little rough in the mornings each day, but, uh, sure. We're still going to go. I'm not ready to give it, give up, you know, give up yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So, uh, you know, one, one thing now I'm, I'm definitely not, I, I'm, I, I couldn't have the nickname Moose. I'm not as, I'm not near as big as you, but, <laughs> but, uh, I played a lot of years of football and I was always on the line and, and, uh, um, I was like, I was one of those kind of weird sizes, you know, like I was, I was just a little bit too big to be like a linebacker or a, or a fullback, but yeah. not, but not like one of those guys that you like look at and like, Oh yeah, that guy's a, that guy's a lineman, you know, it's like kind of like maybe that center guard type size, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I was, of course with that, you know, I was into weightlifting quite a bit growing up and everything and, and through college and that. And I've definitely have have uh seen how that's helped with hunting, you know, like oh yeah like yeah. uh <laughs> dragging yeah. something out or or uh <laughs> honestly one of the biggest tests is when you're uh putting up a new tree stand, you know, like uh like if you're putting up a uh, hang on stand or, or doing a hanging yeah. hunt, which I'm sure you're very familiar with using a lone wolf uh gear. Yeah. I mean that stuff is as good as it gets, yeah, yeah, but it's 100%. still, it's still yep. hard doing hanging hunts. It still works. Yes. It's, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I'm, you know, part of the team. I love the gear. Um, but some mornings it is nice to go to a preset. Yes. Yes, it <laughs> is. Know, yes. At the end of the day, it still work. Uh, you know, you get used to it, you get your system down. Uh, but when you're grinding away, especially in the rut day after day, dark to dark sits, man, sometimes, you know, that preset back here, it looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is for sure, man. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, man, I'm trying to think here. I think my last, my last hanging hunt was this rut. It was, I went on a, on a rut trip and unfortunately I had to leave it in the tree. 
I never would do that. But I got, it was was a couple, we have a family farm. It's a couple hours away from my house. And um, I got three young kids. So you know how that goes with the schedule and everything. When you get away, you're away, but but you're not getting back away for a while. (laughs) And uh, I woke up super sick on the last day of the hunt. And I was planning to go back to that tree. So I left it up there. And, uh, cause it's in a good spot on a hot trail there and, yep. uh, uh, right along a river, river bottom. And, um, but I woke up so sick. I think it was, uh, just dehydration sickness. Um, yeah. cause I, I mean, man, what a hot rut this year, you know, weather wise. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and yep. it's one of those things where, and it, it's a good walk in on that farm. It's probably close to a mile hike, you know, and, and, uh, you're lugging gear and you got to bring layers cause it's cold in the morning. And then, mm. well, I think I was just sweating more than I realized, but I woke up super sick, had to go home. It was one of those where it's like, I was, I was all ready to go hunting and it just hit me. And, yeah. um, I, I told the guy that was with me, he was already tagged out. I was like, man, I do not want to be in this hotel sick for the next 24 hours. You know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get in a groove here and we're just going to drive home. Like we've never driven brother. And, uh, um, I think I stopped at a, uh, a Walmart on the way home and ruined their bathroom and then, uh, then, uh, made it the rest of the way home. But I had to leave my, I had to leave my, my, uh, stand up there. That's killing me right now because I can't, Oh, good Lord. I can't get back there for a while yet. Yeah, and, and um, I really feel going into the late season. You know, I got a I'm gonna have a late muzzleloader tag here in Iowa, and I still have my my buck tag for archery season that I'd like to try and fill yet. And uh, I really feel like that's the time of year when hang and hunt is is really advantageous because mm-hmm. the deer are changing where they've been so much. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I mean a lot of it. You're, you start getting in the late season here. It's it everything's going to revolve around bed to food patterns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yeah. got to be mobile to take advantage of that because the, you know depending on your gun pressure and pressure in general, uh, a lot of things have changed over the last two or three months. Yeah. Um, so you got to be able to be mobile in this in these situations coming up here, December and January, uh, to get on a target buck. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's kind of what I'm thinking too, and so I'm going to have to try and. I really don't want to have to wait till shed season to get out there and, and get it down. Plus, you know, yeah. squirrels can ruin the seat cushion, you know, all that. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, or somebody uh, walks by I and know decides it. they want. I know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, uh, so while I was sitting in that stand, um, this is the other downside to having such a hot, dry year. This is a river, not a creek, a river. And people were driving down that thing on oh, on four-wheelers. It's like, wow. come on, people. It's like November, I think yeah. like November 12th. Yeah. It's like, please do this any other time. Not November yeah. 12th. Not now. Not yeah. <laughs> but so I'm worried someone's going to spot it. You know, they, they didn't spot me sitting in the tree there though. So, you know, maybe I'll get lucky, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I think though that those years of, of work, and now I have a very physical job. I work on a, on a, uh, uh, native seed farm. So we grow like uh, prairie grasses and flowers for CRP and uh, gotcha. actually do a lot of hunting mixes um, mm-hmm. uh, for people that are doing land, land management and so forth. And uh, so I'm, 
I'm the field and shop guy. So this time of year, I'm always hefting these giant, uh, we use, uh, bar- old, uh, herbicide barrels that have been cut in half. So, you know, 55 yeah. gallon drums and, you know, get, get those babies filled with some seed and, and, uh, you got, so you got some weight you're hauling around there and up and down <laughs> ladders and everything yeah. else. So, um, I, I have a, I have a union gig, so, uh, Mine's not that physical anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can you can file a grievance if it uh, yeah, if it gets yeah, too bad. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. But but uh, no, I think that that physicality, you know, having that background and of course in sports and sports teaches you a lot of coordination, which I think is is really handy. When I mean, it's every every aspect of hunting you like have this picture in your mind oh this is going to go so perfectly and i'm gonna i can envision myself (laughs) setting up the sticks on the tree and and i'm just gonna zip right up in there but then you get there and the tree's kind of crooked you got to kind of like lean out and yank a branch or something out of the way you know that i have thought many times i'm thankful for that coordination you know that i got from all those years of football and basketball and track and all that oh yeah uh, but all that to say, you know, so I went on this Nebraska hunt and it was a ton of hiking. It was 20, we did 22 miles of hiking before we tagged deer. Mm-hmm. And the guy with me is a 10 time all American cross country, uh, runner and distance track and field, uh, oh, runner. And he's currently a cross country. He's a collegiate cross country coach. And so so you got, yeah, you got the guy who's the former, uh, guard and center here. And then you got, <laughs> you got, uh, <laughs> you know, the Olympic runner basically Yeah. who, yeah. I mean, do you ever feel like being a big dude hurts you in hunting? Uh, there's at times, you know, uh, what I've learned here the last couple of years, I do a lot of rucking. Um, mm. you know, the weighted pack yeah. that has really changed being a bigger guy. I, mm. I'm not running. I am not going to run. I'm typically Same. 230, 235 pounds. Uh, I mean, I'm fairly lean for my size, but man, I don't run and first yeah. off the knees and I just don't like it anymore. Um, so I started rocking probably the last couple of years and that has made a major difference, uh, mm. in my scouting, in my hunting in the mountains. I do, I'm mostly I'm in the mountains, you know, yeah. some elevation change and big, big wood settings. Uh, that's made a big, big change for me. Um, you know, every week I'm out at least one time a week, like this, this Saturday, I'll be out scouting. You know, mm-hmm. I got a pack on 20, 25 pounds on. I kind of count that as a day rucking, yeah, you know, definitely. You know, scouting, but, but as the season gets closer, I try to get two, three day, days in, you know, day of scout and then, you know, two days during here living in the mountains. Uh, I put that pack on and go, and that has been a big, big game changer for me. And the older I get, I can't lift like I used to, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because of yep. joint pains, stuff like that, and injuries. Yep. Um, but rocking, it's it's easier on my body, and I still get the I get the cardiovascular, and I still get the muscle building perks yeah. out of rocking. Um, so I've really, really enjoyed rocking, and and, uh, and highly recommend it to anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's a great tip. Um, and it, I think I think it does play well to to having a bigger frame, you know, a bigger a bigger mm-hmm. body frame. Like that's that's our strength. And um, yeah, it was it's just something I've always thought of. And um, you know, again too with with the mobile hunting side of it, I think you know being bigger guys, we have 
a little bit more challenge, you know, when we're getting those straps, uh, you know, just, just right on the tree and everything like that's a lot of weight standing on that little step, you know? Yeah. And, and it's a uh, plus hauling the gear in. It's a plus, but yes, you know, we can handle typically a little bit heavier yep. load, you know, but, uh, yeah, sometimes, uh, we're not as flexible. As that's right. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, it is definitely an advantage when hauling the gear. No doubt about that. You know, no doubt about that. So yep. no, it's, it's fun to talk about this with, uh, somebody who understands it even more than I do. But, but, uh, do you, do you, uh, do you have problems with your hips ever? Do your, do your hips, uh, bug you as you get older with all the weightlifting and everything? Uh, it, like I said, I'll be, I'll be, I actually turned 47 in March and probably, uh, last couple of years I've been feeling it a lot. I ruptured my, my triad, um, my right arm, I still lift, but yeah, my hips, my knees. Um, I actually got Lyme disease this past year. Oh, um, man. that's been pretty rough. Yeah. The, I tell you what, that is an evil little bug. Um, I've gotten bit dozens of times, never had any problems, kind of blew it off. And then last June, uh, I had bad rash. I ended up in ER over it actually. Oh my goodness. Um, and it put me on to antibiotics and stuff. And I felt pretty good, but basically I guess once you get it, you got it. And, yeah. you know, trying to learn how to manage the disease. Um, Cause it's pretty rough on your joints. So I've been learning the last couple of months. That's, you know, it, it's just uh, some days it, it, it can get a little rough, you know, trying to mm. motivate yourself to lift and do stuff, but, but we're working through it and we're getting better. So, yeah. Yeah. That's something that I never expected to, you know, I thought that was like a thing for like hip problems were a thing for uh, little old ladies with osteoporosis or something, you know? Yeah. But then I start seeing like all these guys that, that were super active and, and, yeah. uh, they're getting their hips done. And I'm like, what, well, what are yeah. you, what are you talking about? Like even my dad, you know, he's got, uh, some pretty bad arthritis in one of his hips and they, <clears throat> like he went in, he has, uh, this, this, uh, sp spinal problem called spinal stenosis where basically mm -hmm. you've heard of that before where the, yeah. the, yep. where your nerves come through kind of, and your, yeah. your vertebrae fills in with bone and starts pinching those, those nerves while well, they were checking him out for that, you know, given like this whole MRI, but, uh, because it's in his lower back, they also could, the imaging picked up on his hips and they're like, do you, does your hip hurt bother you? And he's like, yeah, I guess a little bit. It's like, you have pretty advanced arthritis. You're going to have to have a hip replacement. You know, I was like, what, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's part of it too. When, um, uh, you know, when, when you got bigger guys and they're lifting weights and they're doing these, you know, living this active lifestyle still, it's far better than not being active. Yeah. But you just got to change it up. Yeah. You just yeah. got to, as you get older, that's what I've learned. I can't, you know, I can't go push 400 pounds mentioned anymore and stuff like that. Yeah. Those days are over. You know, it's more high volume supersets, uh, you know, days stuff's hurting. You got to tone it down just to yeah. be, you got to be smart about it. You know, you can still be in great shape and live a great life. Just, you know, age gets you eventually. And as you get in your 40s, we all start to feel a little bit more. You just yeah. got to be smart about training and change it up a little bit. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you're a big encouragement to me, man. That uh, if, I, if I can be doing as well as you are here in the – so I'm 34. So you're you're just over 10 years ahead of me. So 10 years from now, if I'm doing as good as you are, I'll be, I will be yeah. thrilled. So Keep the, the big thing I tell guys, lifting weights easy. It's that diet. 
Yes, <laughs> that's, that's the, right. That's, that's the right. trippy part. That's uh, that's right. That's the tough part. I'm fortunate enough. My wife, she's big in the training, lifting. Uh, she's a personal trainer. Uh, she does my diet for me. Uh, so I got an advantage there. Uh, yep. You know, kind of cheat code there a little bit because yep. man, the diet is everything. Yep, absolutely. I totally, I totally agree with you. You know, it, I, one of the things I've had to learn with my job is uh because it's so seasonal like what i'm doing you know during the summer i'm i'm out in the the production fields a lot more i'm i'm getting you know 17 18 sometimes 20 25,000 steps in a day you know yeah. on, on like a daily basis but then when i get to this time of year i'm in the shop and yeah i'm still getting 10,000 steps a day but uh i can't eat like i do in the summer yeah. Or I start putting on the weight, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I gotta, I'm learning how to balance that all, you know, now, but, but, um, yeah, it's still just so important to be active. And I think that's another thing about hunting is hunting, uh, keeps you there. You know what I mean? Like you, if, yeah. if you totally let go of your, your physical conditioning, um, and you want to, especially, uh, take hunting quite seriously you know you want to be a, a bow hunter you're not just a uh nothing wrong with the guys that do this i'm not trying to shame them but mm-hmm. but not just the go out for one or two weekends of gun season and then and that's and that's it like yeah you could be pretty yeah. pretty out of shape and get by just fine with that but but if you really want to get into like bow hunting or or even mobile hunting um you got to be in shape you got to be you yeah. got to be strong and you got to have it, it, good endurance yeah you like me, I, I'm a rut hunter. Uh, I, you know, I'm on them day to day, you know, dark to dark sits for mm-hmm. weeks on end. And, and, you know, it, yeah. it, it just whoops you up a couple of days, but being physically fit, trying to, you know, my diet goes off in the fall in this time of year, Christmas cookies and all, I mean, we all do, you know, oh, but yeah. yep. staying fairly on par with my diet and exercise. Um, you know, it sucks getting up every morning, but I can get up every morning. I can mm-hmm. hunt every day, dark to dark because of that. Yeah, there's a, you know, you got to be disciplined, don't get me wrong, in, yep. in general, with, with everything with it. Um, but it does make it easier getting up, hiking back, walk, you know, mobile or whatever you are. Um, it does make life a lot easier when you're in better shape. Yeah, yeah, well said, very well said. And uh, it's so worth it, too. I mean, it, it is. And you know what else? A lot of guys that that do are just the casual hunters, a lot of them end up having some health problems when it comes time to drag a deer out or get up and out in and out of the stand. You know, that's a big physical yeah. exertion to go from, you're going from zero to a thousand, you know, when you're, yeah. if, if you're living life on the couch and all of a sudden you think you're going to drag a dead buck, you know, several hundred yards, quarter mile, yeah. something like that, you could really put yourself in a dangerous spot. So, I mean, oh, it, 100%, yeah. it's, yeah. it's uh, definitely worth it to, take care of the health and man, you're an inspiration to, to be doing it so well, man. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, you're encouraging me here too. I'm, I'm getting excited to get, <laughs> I've been, you know, I, I basically lift weights all the time, but I, I want to get back into like actually, you know, not just lifting the heavy barrels and, and stuff like that at, at work. My coworker, Nicholas, he's like, yeah, that is lifting weights, but it's like you're bending in, in you know, sometimes awkward positions. You're kind of, you're kind of uh, doing things in in ways that 
probably aren't the best for your joints and stuff. Whereas weightlifting, you know, it's like everything is, is in a more natural position. It's more under control. It's more, you know, and I think he's right. You yeah. know, just, I think it would, I think it would only help me at work too, help me stay healthy and not have a yeah. soft you don't tissue need to live injury. Yeah. And you don't need to live, live at the gym every day. I tell guys, like I said, older I got, I used to be a gym every day mm-hmm. and now maybe three days a week weight training, you know, and then maybe two days of, you know, either one day I'm scouting, kind of getting mm-hmm. rucking in, get some cardio there. And like I said, closer gets the season, I'll throw another day or two in, but three, four to most days uh, a week. Now I lift weights, you know, because yeah. my body needs to heal. I've learned that it's so important order I get, you know, I lift two, three days in a row. I'm feeling it for a while. So I got to take a little break. So yeah. I've learned three or four days a week and you get in great shape doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great tip. That's, that's, um, that's good to hear too, because it's not easy to, to scale back, but I've, I've felt that too. You know, I used to be able to basically cold Turkey go into, you know, not oh. do any warm up and stuff like that. Just walk in and start lifting. It's yeah, like, yeah. you can't do that anymore. No, no. way. No, but, nope. Nope. But, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good and inspirational message for sure. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to kind of touch on, uh, pretty quick here is, is just, uh, your experience as a whitetail hunter is, is pretty interesting. Um, as I look around your trophy room there, uh, the listeners don't get the uh, privilege that I have right now to see all these incredible deer that are, that are up on the wall at, at Ryan's, uh, trophy room. But, um, uh, you know, I, I wonder too, though, you got some pretty good connections. Um, I, you live, I should have asked you this really. You live in PA, right? Yep. Southwest PA. <clears throat> okay. Yep. yep. Man, I had another another good PA guy who does some mountain hunting on here recently. Johnny Stewart, you probably know Johnny. Oh, Johnny's a good dude. I know Johnny. Oh yeah, man. I just yeah. like talking to that guy. He's he's fun to he's talk Johnny's to. Johnny's awesome, man. He's one of a kind, man. I've been uh, I've known Johnny for probably about I'd say about two years here, and uh, I was at Bo's Mount Camp, one of the speakers, and Johnny was one of the speakers up there last year. Okay, and uh, what a freaking blast that guy is. <laughs> yeah, man. He's he, awesome, man. You ever get a chance to be in camp with Johnny? Take it uh, off, man. I'm telling you to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would love that. I, I, we have a mutual friend in, uh, uh, Bill from Spartan Forge, Bill Thompson. Yeah, I know Bill. And, yep, yep. And man, Bill has always talked so highly of him. And yeah, Johnny's a great guy. One of the better white hunters I know too. Um, wow. He's got his approach. It just how he looks at timber. Like I said, I've scouted. You know what the camp with them and um just looks at it different compared to a lot of guys a lot of your better guys are like that they look at the timber different than most average people um just very very intelligent um with his detail especially the food wise he is so intelligent mm. um he's real big on what those white tails are eating all the time he's a smart cookie let me tell you yeah yeah i i i definitely could tell i was you know talking with somebody who's on the next level you know when, oh, when uh, yep. through that interview just really enjoyed that and then you know a few days later he goes and drags out a nice buck him and bill each i think got one <laughs> he's that had weekend. a great year yeah 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 yes so but but no you guys are pretty hardcore out there and you have some uh you have some great options though you can uh do some black bear hunting um you uh obviously got a any small game you could want. I imagine it's probably pretty good turkey hunting there too. I mean, you guys yeah, have good yeah. turkey habitat. Yeah, it's pretty good turkey hunting. Yep. And um, uh, you got elk. 
which I mean, I'm sure that's more of a uh, limited, you know, yeah, draw type yep. aspect, but why whitetails, man? Uh, I'm sure you could, I'm sure you could be out West chasing whatever you wanted out there. I'm sure you got connections that would, yeah. that would line all that up, but clearly you're a, you're a whitetail guy through and through. What do you yeah, think it is? Honest, people, yeah. People ask me all the time, like when, when are you going to go out West chase elk or muley? And I said, I just don't know if I ever will. I just don't have the passion for it. Yeah. I mean, I've killed a couple of black bear in Canada. I've killed a mountain lion in Montana. Um, you know, I do spring turkey hunt a good bit, PA. I do enjoy spring gobbler. Um, but it's kind of like spring gobbler comes in. That's the only time I take maybe a couple week break from whitetail. Whitetail's 12 months, 365. I mean, yeah. it's all I think about. I mean, I tell people, I've said this a hundred times on podcasts. You know, you got to have your priorities in, in order, you know, God, your family, but then it's whitetails. <laughs> and yeah. there's just something about them. Um, I just really have no other desire to chase another game species. I mean, eventually mm. I want to go up and kill a big bull moose and there's some things I want to do, but man, I, 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 there's just something about they're They're just different compared to all the other animals in North America. In my opinion, just each one of them has a different personality. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't care if you're shooting a little basket rack or 200 inch or they're all different. Um, yeah. and me, even does, I absolutely love chasing does. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, and something I've realized over the last couple of years, you know, we'll get down to this rabbit hole here with this stuff with social media and everything else is, uh, man, I, in a day I like to shoot deer, big yeah. or small. I like to shoot deer yeah. <laughs> and, and I love the process and it's the work involved. Like this Saturday after recording here, this upcoming Saturday is going to be my first trip postseason. You know, my season's done here. I've got okay. a pretty good season here. It's time to get ready for next year. So every Saturday, pretty much every Saturday here until the next season, I am in the woods scouting, wow. either postseason scouting, cameras, summer scouting, something every Saturday is going to be involved with whitetails. And that's awesome. I absolutely love walking up on a, on a deer, buck or doe, it, you know, it, that's the, you know, mm -hmm. put your hunt in the hunt itself, but man, the process, the, the walking in the timber, um, something about walking in the woods, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. That's what I live for now. I mean, I love the hunt, but it's the process there. Yeah. Just maybe because I'm getting older, it, you know, just, man, I love the process. Yeah. I love all the, putting all the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out, a, you know, a situation in the timber. Um, I love to help other people out. I've been starting to really enjoy that also. Um, yeah. Just all those things together, man. I just, it just white tells, man. They're just, ah, I just love them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that explanation. I never thought of it that way either. As far as like, <clears throat> the the reality of how you can put a full year into what i mean of course i've i've thought you there's even the phrase whitetails 365 you know yeah. but but uh like you make a good point you couldn't i i don't really see anyone else saying elk 365 or you know black bears 365 you know like uh, i'm sure you could do that to some aspect if you like let's say you lived in uh wyoming you know, yeah, and uh, you even lived, you know, I know that traveling, <laughs> traveling anywhere in those big Western states, you know, they, they don't even blink twice about doing a two hour drive to go get groceries. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, like, let's say you even lived close to where you hunted uh, elk out West. Elk migrate pretty far. I get the impression. I don't know much about them but they, they, they move pretty far throughout the year. And I just don't think you could 
really keep tabs on them like a hardcore white tail like a hardcore whitetail guy knows where a buck is you know what i mean like you yeah, go to yeah. you go to like some of those guys in michigan or or um even around where i'm at here in iowa and, and illinois and indiana you know those guys they can really keep tabs on bucks over a course of many years you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and that is a that is a unique thing about whitetails, and I think what what it almost opens the door for with those other species is like, and not that this is a bad thing; it's just a different thing. You almost like break focus off of that, and it gets so partitioned into just the season. Oh, it's time to start thinking about elk now. It's the second week yeah. of August, you know. And then once either you fill your tag or elk season ends, or like for guys like us who live, you know, in the Midwest and out East, we get one week, maybe two weeks where if we go on an elk hunt, like that's what, that's when we think about elk. We can't really be a part of the scouting realistically. We got jobs and families and, and, uh, you have to like be separate from it for so much of the year. But with whitetails, I mean, they're living around all of us. We, you know, we can, there's always something yeah. you can enjoy. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, they're just, they're all like, I look at not to get a look at elk. They all, they all look the same. <laughs> That's, know? yeah. Like, I, I like, you know, whitetails, yeah, eight point and eight point, but they all, they're always different. They always right. have different characters right. and bodies. I don't know. I like I said, not, I mean, one day, hey, you know, I might go out and try to get one. Don't get me wrong. But uh, right now, I just don't have the itch for the Western stuff at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a valid point. And, um, uh, you know, I think too, if there's, there's something to be said about, and I know some people just love to travel and that, you know, that's, that's a, I think a different situation, but I think it's best to embrace what you have where you live. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, uh, you live in whitetail country, so you're a big whitetail guy. I live in whitetail yeah. country, so I'm a big whitetail yeah. guy. It, it just makes sense. And if I was, if elk was my most favorite thing to to chase, what am I doing living in a state that has no elk? <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. you know, you know what yeah. I mean. It's just, yeah. it's it's kind of a, I don't know. I it's it's. I think there's there's something to be said there too. That being said, man, you got some incredible deer on the wall there. Thank Which you. one? It. Oh yeah. Which one is your absolute favorite and tell me how you got him. You know what? Actually my favorite, um, actually probably my favorite. Well, well, let let, let me, let me say, say this too, Ryan. I want it so favorite that the house is on fire. You only have time to grab one. What's the one you're grabbing? Well, I, I'd be hard not to grab the 160 from Iowa from a couple years ago because he sure. just was an absolute brute. I, <laughs> just, you know, just just a very special whitetail from his yep. size, body, and rack. Don't get me wrong. But it's about to at the end of the day. Yep. And I have one up here. It's a European mop, probably 110, 115-inch, eight-point, something like that, three-year-old. I killed on public land. Um, the funny story was uh, my son, he turned uh, – he turned five this past November, November 6th. Oh, nice. So five years ago, my wife was pregnant in the rut <laughs> with, my, with him. Whenever I found out, started counting the days, I told her, I said, whatever you do, you can't have this kid until I kill a buck. This was an ongoing <laughs> joke. I had actually hit this buck. I actually hit this buck the evening of November 5th. And I had to let him, like I hit him. I knew I hit him good. 
but it was dark. I was having a little yep. trouble tracking. I'm like, I'm going to have to come back in the next morning, not thinking anything. Yeah. Next morning, my wife comes in, her water broke. First thing oh, out of my boy. mouth was, first thing, I was like, I got to find my buck. <laughs> That's the first thing out of my mouth. Then, you know, reality kicks in like, hey. <laughs> yeah, know. then you got a black like, eye. Well, no, yeah. yeah, she's like, I'm okay. We'll be okay. Like, no, it's your water broke. <laughs> so we have to go to the hospital. So I called my dad. I text my buddy. I said, you know, I don't know what to do. My buddy actually went out, found the deer in like five minutes, found the buck. Wow. Brought it to the hospital. Brought to the hospital because we they had to put like a temporary tag in the ear. Yeah, brought right, to right, hospital. Right. I'm out. In the, I'm out in the parking lot. Nurses are looking out the window. I'm filling the tag out for this buck I killed. <laughs> so, so uh, my son was born that day, later that evening. So technically, my wife. She waited till I killed the buck till she had the that's baby. That's right. So that's right. She held man. up her barn. That's yeah, that's the birthday birthday buck here. Yeah, that is that is incredible, man. You know, they all have it, they're all fun. They all have their you know, they all have their special place, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well, that is an incredible story, man. What a what a what a time to to go through all that and uh but also a great support network from your your dad and your your buddy and oh yeah, but yeah, you yeah, know, it's and, good it make, time. and it's nice to include them in on the story too. You know, it's oh yeah, 100%. they get to they get to be a part of it and imagine what that you know. I'm sure your your son, you know, he's get. I have a six year old son, so uh, you know, I kind of got an idea of what what goes on in their brain at that age. But uh, um, as he gets older, he'll I'm sure even appreciate that story more. You know, and, oh yeah, yeah. But well, you know, another part of doing what you do is uh whitetail addictions which has been around for a while and uh obviously is a very well respected uh i guess we could say channel and a group of guys um yeah uh really one of the earliest like uh very active pro staff crews i would say in the hunting world Mm -hmm. you know there's now today in 2023, there's, there's a lot of pro staff crews out there, which is great, you know, but yeah. white, whitetail addictions has been at the top of the list for, for how active they are with, with, uh, their members and, and, uh, releasing film and, and stuff like that. And a big part of that, of course, goes back, ties back to the DeQuisto family. One of the, the greatest whitetail families, definitely in this modern era, um, yeah. but, but even all time, I would say, and, um, just, uh, we were talking about their revolutionary product, you know, the, the lone wolf mobile hunt, hunting setup, you know, that was just a, yeah. uh, that revolutionized deer hunting. And, um, you know what, I think it'd be inter- an interesting statistic would be how many elk and bears have been killed out of a lone wolf. Cause I know there's some guys that, 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 uh, I know it seems almost sacrilegious, but they go out and, uh, they, uh, Pat Durkin once, uh, the great outdoor writer, um, he talked about how he killed an elk out of a, out of a tree stand once. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, cause he was, I I wouldn't be surprised if it was a lone wolf, you know, hiking in on public land like that, doing a hand hunt, you know, uh, it's, it's been an incredible product, but there's got to be some pressure that comes with that. Um, you're, I mean, you're rubbing shoulders with some really high caliber deer hunters and, uh, yeah. and you are as yourself as well, but 
even still, that's got to be some serious pressure, man. Yeah. Um, we had talked off air about this a little bit. And yeah. I said, you know, God's going to open doors for you. He's not necessarily going to show you the path to mm. get to those doors, you know? Yep. And going into this like two years ago, things started opening up podcasts off the gap. My name started getting out there. And before I know it, I'm at Lone Wolf Custom Gear events. And, you know, Justin Hollingsworth, them guys, they reach out to me, say, man, you're one of us. I want you on a team. I'm like, me? Yeah, you know? That's a big I'm deal. Doing for PA, <laughs> yeah. man. I ain't nobody you know, special. And they just saw the passion I had for whitetails. And they said, you're one of us. And mm. man, it is a brotherhood. All those guys love them to death. They're awesome. And I've been fortunate enough, like you said, you know, he's Cisco, Justin Hollingsworth, um, you know, Troy Pollinger, Dequistos. I, I mean, I'm missing guys too. I've I've been able to talk to some of the best of the best, some of the best that's ever whitetail hunted yeah. and, and ever. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of pressure because, you know, I've killed some good deer, no doubt, mm -hmm. but I'm a PA guy, 120 yeah. inch, 115. That's a, that's the kind of deer I'm chasing. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're, you're just nobody and you're in the major leagues. Um, yep. so the last few years, it did put a lot of pressure on me and nowhere, anywhere has anybody ever said, Hey, Moose, you have to do this. You have right. to film this. You have, to. no one's ever, ever done that to me. Um, the pressure was put on by myself because I thought I had to do this to be somebody, mm. you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm a part of this team. And what I've learned over the last two years, um, that's not the case. And what's cool about these guys, you know, first year, I, I didn't kill buck last year. I put so much pressure on myself. I didn't kill a buck last year. And so I didn't get nothing on film. Then this year, you know, I killed three year, decent three year old PA, got on film. But, you know, I kind of made some mess ups even my film. And so I'm still sure. trying to learn this. They're like, we get it, man. It's going to take you a couple of years, you yeah. know, you know, yeah. and then I drew the Iowa tag this year. So I'm like, all right, that's my, that's where I'm going to kill the big one on film. Well, that didn't go as planned. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so you have all this pressure on you. And I think eventually I just kind of stepped back from it all when I came back from Iowa and realized I was killing big bucks when I just killed deer. I, I didn't yeah. worry so much. I was selective. But I just went out and killed deer, big or small, yeah. or whatever, just had fun again. And that's what I think that's what I need to do now, like next year, not just get back to that because I'm a part of a fantastic organization. I would like to continue to be a part of that. And, you know, eventually, yes, you got to produce. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even from my side, if I see where, you know what, I'm just not cutting it. This just isn't my thing. And it's, it's interfering with my type of hunting or what I, my enjoyment. Yes. I'll take a step back. Um, yeah. but like I said, those group of guys, um, man, I've learned so much from them. Uh, a lot of people even outside of that circle also. Um, but like I said, I've been truly blessed uh, to meet some of the just absolutely, just not fantastic white to hunters, just fantastic people in general. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that is a, that's a great outlook on it for sure. Um, I want to, man, you're doing, a, <clears throat> you're doing a good job. Like, uh, you haven't seen my outline, but man, you're hitting my points here. You're doing good, man. <laughs> Excuse me. So, uh, one of the things I was going to ask, I, I want to come back to your post. I have, I copied and, and pasted your, uh, post that you put, cause there's so there's, there's, it, it highlights, I think in a really concise way, what you just stated and, and even brings in a few other things that I think we should talk about here. Um, but while you just based on what you just said there i wanted to ask you being surrounded by such incredible guys you mentioned that you've you know you've learned so much from these guys and i, I just thought it'd be cool to ask you 
What are some of the things you've learned or maybe the one biggest thing you've learned from, from interacting with these guys? Um, what they all have in common is confidence. Mm. Um, that's a big thing. Um, best you get around like Andre. Uh, I mean, you ever get the opportunity to talk to Andre, um, just, he looks at different compared to everybody. Mm. Um, he's kind of like the Michael Jordan type Tiger yeah, Woods type yep. mentality, just different. Um, but everybody like Troy and, 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 and all those guys, Heath and, and Justin, it's, those guys are very confident, even when it's tough. And that's mm. what I learned. Even when it's not going as planned, just still being confident, um, in your ability and your mindset, you know, sticking to your plan. Um, you know, that's something probably I take away from a lot of the guys. Um, cause we all get kicked. It, it's, mm. it's white to hunt. It's part yeah. of it. 9% yeah. time. It's going to be tough. Yep. But knowing to stick with it, stay confident, eventually you're going to get your opportunity as long as you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, hunt smart. Yeah, I like that. That's that's something that's uh, easily taken away too, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Maintaining you know, how often, and I think this especially hits mobile hunters, um, paralysis by analysis. I remember yeah. my, my first year of uh, bow hunting, I had one of my most frustrating moments. I was doing a hanging hunt and, uh, it was an, I think it was an after work deal or something, you know, it was an afternoon hunt is what I got out there for is during the rut, right, right in that lockdown window. And, uh, the landowner had told me, um, uh, cause I called him before I came out there. He said, Hey, uh, uh, my wife and my daughter were out riding around in the UTV and uh they saw what they said was a really big buck and mm -hmm. uh he was with a doe and he's down by the burn pile and i'm like burn pile i don't know if i really know where that is i think i might know where it is but you know so i'm hiking in i got this is my first year of bow hunting i got my lone wolf on my back and um of course you know carrying the sticks and my bow and uh you know, I'm trying not to be clanging and banging as I'm walking, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, all of a sudden I'm like, that looks like a burn pile. And like the second I, I thought that the dough busts out of there <laughs> and I like, that's definitely the burn pile. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, so yeah. I like hit the ground and, uh, sure enough, he doesn't see me like she did. And, uh, so the buck that they were talking about stands up in his bed and then the kind of, she, he just kind of has like a general spook, you know, not like a, not like a hard spook. Like, yeah, he saw me, yeah. winded me, that kind of thing. So he just kind of hops up and like runs out of his bed a few yards, but still is within, you know, pretty close to within range. And, uh, so I like try to put a stock on him and, and, uh, trying you know i gotta get this stand off my back so i can draw my bow and stuff like that so i'm carefully doing all that and and i come close to getting an opportunity but it, he eventually spooks right yeah so and he was nice i mean i looking back i'd say he was a he was at least a, a 170 inch buck i mean just a mm -hmm. real nice illinois you know he was the he was the king of the block there yeah and and, uh, so that's part of it, you know, like that messed with my head a little bit, 
But then I like get in there. I'm like, okay, you know, what are my opportunities here? You know, I was planning to set up downwind of this doe bedding area and you just start going into that mode of, okay, I'm trying to find a tree here. I'm trying to find a tree here. I can't find a tree. I cannot find it. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm standing yeah. here and then I'm going to get spotted. I'm going to get wind. Yeah. yeah. And I just like start freaking out in my mind, you know? And, uh, I could, I was telling myself, you Kent, you have paralysis by analysis. Kent, you have paralysis by analysis. And I, I basically was staying there like a crazy person, at all these different trees, like looking up them. All right. How do I get it? You know, get said, Oh, this one's going to be too big. I can't reach around to get the straps. And, yeah. and, uh, eventually just ended up setting my stand on the ground and going and sitting next to the base of a tree somewhere and just trying to, but it was like, that was good for me to go through all of that Yeah. because now I'm like, you need to just be decisive, man. You got to find a tree and you got to go for it and man does yeah. it work out so much better or yeah i've even i've even gotten to where i'm starting to put sticks on a tree and i see something about it as i'm climbing up that's like eh, i'm just not going to have a clear enough shot get down go to that other tree get it done right now you know and that goes back to confidence like oh I'm, yeah <clears throat> i've done that before i mean you you yeah i've done that many a times i've been halfway through i've had it set um, I did this last trip to Iowa. I've mm. been in training like, just know if you don't have that confidence, something that gut feeling. Yep. I mean that gut feeling, mm. and that comes with experience. That comes with killing and, and years of boredom. Don't get me long wrong. That fine tunes it. Um, but if I get that feeling, something ain't jiving. I need to move. I'm going to move. You know, I'm mm -hmm. going to adjust the setup. Yeah. So that's <clears throat> that's huge that you mentioned that. Um, I think uh, one of the you know, maybe to get a, a little bit personal here, I think the thing that I've struggled with most of my life is I make giants in my mind. You know, you know what I mean? Um, uh, there was that movie that came out when I was in high school, that football movie. I think it was called Facing the Giants. And that was like the theme in there. You know, these all this terrible football team. It's, it's the most typical story, right? Terrible football team. Yeah. But they have talent and they figure it out and they win the state championship and they beat this powerhouse, you know all that but they that that title has always stuck in my head facing uh facing the giants and i think um confidence addresses that right like yeah. uh for me uh bow hunting has been a giant that that like you know i look at these other guys that are getting it done year after year after year after year and i'm like man I wish I could be like that guy. You know what I mean? If only, oh, yeah. if only I could get to that level, deer are just so impossible to, you know, I can, <laughs> I can get my tree stand in the right spot, but when it comes to making the shot, I just can't do it, you know? And I finally have started to, I guess, come to terms with that a little bit. Like, Hey, quit doing that, you know, quit making this yeah. impossible in your mind and have the confidence that, no, you know, if I, if I practice well enough and, and, uh, if I'm diligent in my effort, you know, I'll get a chance and that chance is doable. And, it, uh, this, this game is a roller coaster. I tell, I tell guys, if like you go down, you click on Instagram, start by September, October through about now. Mm. Um, and if you haven't punched a buck tag, you're going to think you're the worst white tail hunter. Yes. You could have killed. 10 Boone and Crockett yep. 10 years in a row up till this year. Yep. And you'd be like, I'm the worst hunter in the world because you go on Instagram or <laughs> social media. That's absolutely right. And 
it, there is some people out there that are in really great areas, either have or bless yep. good property, good areas. They're going to consistently kill multiple big bucks every year. Good yep. for them. Not taking it away. They work hard too. A lot of those guys. Um, but for the average uh, majority of us, we're going to be on a roller coaster with this whitetail game. Um, me personally, the last two years have been probably the worst two years of my hunting career. Mm. But I killed 11 whitetails, but only one buck. So, yeah. you know, what am I complaining about? Right. But when it comes to putting them on the wall, I guess, you start looking at the prize too much. Um, yeah, I've had a couple off yep. years. You look at other guys, man, they've been tearing up the last two or three years, killing four or five, six bucks. Yep. Like, what am I doing? I know guys that are absolutely monsters in the timber that have struggled and not killed bucks for the last two or three years. You, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it yeah. goes both ways. But how I look at it is I've been on the high. I've killed multiple big bucks in one year. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, now, then you get on this low where you eat a buck tag or maybe you don't kill the buck you really had your sights set on. Yep. This is just whitetail hunting roller coaster for majority of us, the average guy, especially in the, you know, in your pressured area, stuff like that. We don't have maybe fantastic property or fantastic state to hunt in. You're going to be on a roller coaster. Some years, man, you're going to feel pretty good. And there's going to be some years you just, you're going to have to deal with it. It's it just whitetail hunting. You have to understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's very well said. Very well said. And, and I love your point too, on, um, <clears throat> we forget about the good days that we've had in the past so easily, yeah. you know? Yeah, we do. Uh, I do it all the time myself. Uh, you know, you know, you, you can be successful, like I said, for 10 years in a row and for whatever reason, you can have a bad season and then you dwell on the bad season yes. instead of looking back on all the positive. And that's why I said, I've caught myself here the last two years of, chasing the prize looking for antler putting the trophy on the wall you know i drew my iowa tag this year i wasn't even in iowa i was writing a check out for the taxidermist that's how i was looking yeah. at you know what i mean yep. it's iowa. Yep. you you're guaranteed and then you have a bad hunt and then you come back and you have reality check and you're like you're doing this for the wrong reason you yeah. know what i mean yeah. um because i think if you clear your head have a great mindset a great positive attitude no matter where you're at I think you're going to be more successful and be able to, your goals are realistic. You're going to be able to, you know, uh, you know, you'll be able to tag, I think what you're looking for more often when you don't force it, I guess you can say, yeah. I don't know if it's worded right or not, but I think we force it sometimes. That's what I was doing the last couple of years. You start forcing the hunt for that prize and man, it sucks. You know, like I drew an Iowa tag this year, man, I should have been excited. I was like 10 days there and I was miserable. Yeah. You shouldn't be miserable on a, a coveted Iowa tag, but I put so much pressure on myself that, like I said, like it started getting four or five days in. I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong here? I should have his buck down. I should be going back to PA, see my family. I should yeah. be going to tax rooms. It's just the wrong reasons. And like yeah. I said, when I came back, I cleared my head and, and you know got things straightened back out and realized we're all here for a short period of time, man. You got to enjoy the hunt. If, yep. if you're blessed to, Put a tag on something great, but man, you got to enjoy, like I said, enjoy the past, enjoy the present, the future, all that stuff. Man, don't dwell on the prize and the antlers because, you know, it's great to kill a big buck or a deer in general, but man, when you're solely focused on that, man, that takes away from it all. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is so, that is so true. Um, let's, let's, let's read your post here because it does address a lot of these things. And I think it's, it's good for the listeners to hear this. It's good for me to, to read it again. Um, 
So this was uh, your most recent post on Instagram. It was a cool picture. Yeah. You're sitting there. I think it looked like around a, a campfire or something like that. And and uh, you had this very contemplative, uh, reflective look. And and uh, you, you wrote this to go with it. As the 2023 season comes to a close for me, I think about all the high and lows, highs and lows of the season. Overall, it was a successful season, punching a handful of tags. But the big takeaway this season was, was to slow down and appreciate the hunt itself. After a disappointing hunt in Iowa this season, I learned that focusing solely on a trophy for the wall can lead to a lot of stress and a miserable time in a tree. In the last two years, I stopped having fun because I was only focusing on the prize. I regrouped, grabbed the rifle, and headed to the mountains. Three doe tags punched and a few long drags will clear your head and allow you to realize this is hunting. It's not hard to see that we are losing the tradition of hunting. Everything is geared towards making this easy. Mm, that is that is something we got to unpack there. That's good. And seeing how many likes and follows we can gain. We've lost the meaning of woodsmanship and being a hunter. If we continue down this road with social media and technological advancements, I think it's safe to say hunting as we know it will be a thing of the past. Maybe not in my lifetime, but in my children's. Personally, I'm not sitting on the sidelines and watching that show play out. My 2024 goal isn't to kill the biggest buck, but to enjoy the process, become a better woodsman, and to help others on their own personal journeys to be better hunters. If the good Lord blesses me with an opportunity at a big buck, great. But take it from me, don't get caught up with only antlers. Enjoy the process. Enjoy God's creation. And enjoy the hunt, man. That's beautifully said. That is that is ex- that is exactly right. And um, you know, there's an ongoing conversation on here, and I know. Um, uh, so every every Tuesday, I do an episode called Picking Bones. Now during hunting season, mm-hmm. you know how hard it is to get content out oh, during yeah. hunting season. Yeah. You know, I want to be hunting. Uh, right now, I'm in a break because it's the regular gun seasons here in Iowa, so I can't use my bow right now, and I can't. I, I'm, I don't have a gun tag. I'm getting a muzzleloader tag. Um, so things have slowed down right now, So which has been nice. But uh, we've had this ongoing conversation about trail cameras. Um, uh, I used to run a ton of trail cameras, and they're fun as anything, man. Yeah. It's like Christmas Day yeah. when you go and check that trail camera and see that footage. But then I kind of got away from it. Uh, just having problems, you know, having more kids, having less time to be doing that stuff, you know, messing with the cameras and stuff. I, I just kind of like really focused my efforts on learning deer better, you know, and, and, and getting on and I, and it's paid off. You know, I, I see a lot more deer now when I hunt and I noticed, um, so I, I killed a really nice buck last year on the home farm and it, the woods felt so much less pressured when I was in there. And it just got me to think, you know, maybe, maybe hunting without using a ton of trail cameras isn't a bad thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And which then kind of, you know, opened up this conversation. And we had Jake Hofer on from Exodus Trail Cameras, and, and we yeah. talked about it with him. And, man, do I love talking with that guy. Such a thoughtful guy. Good dude. Yep. Oh, man, as good mm-hmm. as they come. And yep. um, great hunter, too. And uh, he's killed some really nice bucks over the last few mm-hmm. years. Um, <clears throat> but uh, 
uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he made some great points on, on, uh, he's like, yeah, maybe trail cameras aren't necessarily for everybody, but here's how I think they can be. Um, and he made some great points. Um, I don't know if you've listened to his show this week, but they're addressing, um, yeah. the, the, the cell cam yeah. band that's going on in, in mm-hmm. Kentucky. <clears throat> Man, did they do a good job covering that? Yeah, they did and, a real good job. And, uh, just, it like opens up this door to, you know, I think it was the first guy he interviewed. Uh, uh, yeah, it was the first guy I interviewed. I can't remember his name. Jake Bush was Reese, the second Reese, guy. Reese was the first guy. Yes. Yep. Yep. And uh, he made some, like, I just liked how he wasn't sitting on the fence. Like, I think he, if, if you know, what's the old phrase? Put a gun to gun to my head to get the truth, you know? the I think his gun to the head answer, <clears throat> I think his gun to the head answer would be he's in favor for keeping you know, sell cams legal, but he's like, I see, I see positive and negative in both of it. And I appreciated his point of view. <clears throat> and I appreciated Jake, a guy who works, whose very livelihood, <laughs> you know, yeah. depends on the sale of trail cameras. He really, you know, fleshed that out too. Like, yeah, I can see how, you know, X, Y, and Z might be the case, but um, it just got me thinking some more on like, I'm I'm not against cell cameras. I've used cell cameras. I think uh, mm-hmm. I think they're a good tool. But if we make it all about like there's a there's a good way to do that and there's a not so good way to do that. And they talked about that. You know, like like the the thing that people always say. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to get a you're going to be sitting on the couch and then your cell cam goes off. Now you're going to run out there real quick with your bow and you're going to shoot the buck. And they talked about how that's not really a <laughs> something that anyone's probably going to be able to accomplish anyways, you know, but, um, you know, there are, it does bring up some things like, are we leaning too much on technology? You know, and it's not just that, um, uh, there's a lot of things, uh, that that if we get too dependent on them that I don't think are bad things, but if we don't, and I think all the people that, work in that industry or not all, but most of them, the ones that I know would tell you, would agree with this, that work in the hunting industry on the technological side of it, that, yeah, you can't replace woodsmanship with this stuff. Like you can't shortcut your way. No. There. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, like I said, I listen to that podcast. I have my opinions with cameras. I'm of course I run a lot of cameras. I run, 30 plus cameras a year. Um, I run my cameras probably a little different for most guys. I'm a rut hunter. Mine is more for my standard SD cams run on video mode. I love historical data. I like to put them cameras, let them soak. You know, mm-hmm. I'll do my summer inventory, see what kind of velvet bucks are in the mountains, the big sure. wood stuff like that. And then I like to let them soak through a season. I'll go back, pull those in areas that maybe I haven't been in or whatever. Cause I don't chase pictures. I don't chase cameras yeah. during the season. I've done that. I'll burn you. Um, cell cams, you know, I utilize, you know, I've run 30 some cams, say a third of those are cells. Um, what I like me personally, what I like about cell cams is the theft deterrent for me, public land guy, that is a plus. Yeah. Also what I do with my cells, I will put them in brand new areas. Like I've never been in before. So I have that theft deterrent plus that camera's giving me some Intel live to where I don't have to worry about 
a guy still on that camera, like an SD. And I've totally lost that for the whole year. Yeah. I've got to wait till yeah. next year to do that. That's where I like to sell cams. Like I said, I'm not chasing. If point. 150 interest shows up, I'm not going after them. I don't care about yeah. that. But now I've no, I've got three or four shooters, you know, November 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th. Okay, I've noticed this area is heating up on this scraper in this area, this funnel, whatever I have it set up on. This area is showing mature bucks in a certain time frame. I'm going to remember that for next year when then I go and start logging my time. I'm not worrying about cameras. Yes, my God, that's when I'll start putting my standard SD cams in those areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love cameras. I personally don't want to see them banned for this reason. You ban cell or cameras in general, what's next? Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. That's, yep. That's but, exactly right. But, yeah. Now I will say this, this is, I'm not saying this to be cocky or arrogant. I'm 40, going to be 47. I hunted before, before cameras. Mm -hmm. I killed deer before cameras. Yep. They're not to be ignorant, but a lot of guys kill because of cameras though. Mm -hmm. If you take the cameras away, they're going to struggle because of the woodsmanship. Yeah. They're relying too much. Um, so you would see that when these cameras start getting pulled, Guys that are killing all the time might not be killing all the time. That's because that's of the And that's not to be ignorant. Right. It just it's the facts. You got some other guys like you guys my age, you know, give or take 40. Man, we didn't have cameras. You know, there were or the yeah. ones that were were pretty the 35 millimeters yeah. and they were pretty rough, you know. But so we had a hunt on the woodsmanship part of it. So we learned that. You know, younger guys now, they only know technology. If that technology starts getting pulled out of there, they're going to struggle. Yeah, you know, with that. Um, so that's why you always got to, that's why I try to preach a lot of guys utilize that as a tool, but man, you can't, you can't get away from woodsmanship. You got to have that all the time. So no matter where you go, you have that to rely on. Like I went to Iowa this year. I had a bad hunt in Iowa, but I saw in 10 days of hunting, I saw roughly 250 deer. Okay. Wow. In 10 days. I had that's awesome. eight I had eight bucks between 130 and 150 within bow range in 10 days. Three I passed. Three I couldn't get a shot because of too much brush. I got busted by 150-inch draw on my bow, and I hit one. Ugh. So I had no cameras. But that was an eight. Like I said, I had a bad hunt for me personally. But overall, that's pretty good odds. Ten days, eight shooters, yeah. eight shooters in bow range. Definitely. You know what I mean? Just it's bow hunt. It, like I said, right. you have bad hunts. You just got you. That just happens. Yeah. But that's relying on woodsmanship that's just scouting with a stand on your back and getting on whitetails yeah. um and i think a lot of people because of technology will struggle with this um but like i said the, the camera thing for me it is a big tool for historical data and stuff like that if you use properly um like i said what the scary part is if you know we look in kansas that was pretty easy they, they pulled them like nothing on public kentucky they're doing a little bit better i, yeah. I like how they're doing it they're yeah. a little bit input but if they take the cell cams off of public land, okay, uh, you know well the standard cams are coming within a year or two. Oh, yeah. That's coming. Yep. And the elephant in the room, boys and girls, as bow hunters, is crossbows. Mm -hmm. Crossbows are the problem right now because it is shown data that crossbows are affecting the harvest data with, with killing deer across this country. And we're not putting any restrictions on them. I am not anti-crossbow, Okay. Because I'm going to go on a little rant here. No, I, I like I'm it. It's good. Crossbow. If you have, if you are able to pull back a bow, you should be shooting a bow. If you cannot, absolutely, you should be participating in archery with a crossbow. I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I have no problem using a crossbow, but you use it in gun season, or there needs to be a special season for it specifically. Um, the increase of what's happened is we're seeing an increase of harvest across the country with because of the crossbow and archery. 
Well, of course you're going to see cameras getting pulled. They've got to start taking from somewhere else to help with the game harvest because it's getting out of control in certain areas. So yep. you're going to start pulling cameras. You're going to start handicapping people in other ways so those harvests don't increase to where, you know, you're affecting license sales. That's yeah. how I look at it. Um, yeah. There's too much money, millions of dollars thrown around lobbyists in that legislation with these crossbows. You've seen it in Iowa. Yep. You guys shot it down mm -hmm. there. And it's end of the day, it's about money, boys and girls. It has yep. nothing to do with management of whitetails, yep. zero. And that's where I stepped talking on this podcast and all of us talking on social media is doing nothing for this. We have to find a way as hunters to organize, come yep. together as a group and fight the cell cam bans. Let's not get rid of crossbows. That's not what I'm saying. But let's try to put a restriction on there to make it a little bit, a little bit fairer, so we're not losing other stuff because of it. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's. I think it's a great point. And you know the. I'm not sure how many states are left. I know. I, I think I was in the minority, if I understand yeah. right. For for how many states haven't gone the right i think i was the only trophy whitetail state left yeah that hasn't gone to crossbows uh, yeah illinois has them ohio has them indiana has them um kansas kansas has them don't they i'm not sure i know we've had them for oh oh 10 50 i don't know how many years it's been. yeah and yeah. it is a major it's not as bad as like it is in Ohio, um, but it's getting bad here. It's getting mm -hmm. really, really bad here. Um, I don't typically see a lot of people in the mountains in the big woods, um, but but you, I get a lot of hunts messed up now. And it's not against these individuals. They're not doing anything illegal. They're doing right. what's legal. But you get a lot of stuff ruined. And, mm -hmm. You know, guys just walking around because they think they're carrying. Because yeah. look at the advertisement. It's not the guy. Like I said, I'm not blaming the guy carrying crossbow. Look at the advertisement. They're showing these things shooting 100 yards. And it, there's even in the description yep. in the magazine. Yep, that's right. Your neck rifle. Then what's it in? What's it in bow season for? Yep. You? Yep. You know what I mean? And I believe everybody has the right to hunt. Yeah. Everybody does. Yes. Um, yep. But we got to take a step back here a little bit. Even if it's with the cameras, the crossbow, the drones, all this, it, it, it's starting to get out of hand. Um, and it's all getting towards more of a rich man's sport also because of all yeah. the technology. Yep. That's that a good way. point. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's a very good point. Um, and I don't know what the breaks end up being. You know what I mean? Other than, like, obviously there's going to be these, there's going to be these things that, these these laws that come in and just say nope can't yeah. have it and i agree too that you know, you know who a person who said this that i think made a great point was um steven ranella years ago on a meteor episode uh, a meteor podcast episode he was talking exactly about crossbows and he's like you know everyone always tells these guys in these whitetail states Oh, you guys are just worried about the slippery slope and you need to just embrace crossbows. And he's like, but the slippery slope is a real thing. I don't know why people call that a fallacy. Once things, yeah. you know, once, once that, once a state gives in, you know, to the crossbow thing, your, your age class of whitetails yes. gets, gets screwed up. Yes. And, and eventually you're, you're, you're eventually down the road that continues. Your season will be shorter. Yep. Your ag allocations will be shorter. And that's what people don't realize. I mean, granted, your lobbyists with your insurance companies and all that are always going to push for less deer. 
yep. always going to push for less yep. you know, they're going to they're going to push but eventually your local dnr your state agencies they're going to be handcuffed and and yeah you know, they're going to get to a point well we got to sell license we've got to you know we got to keep the hunters happy but what do you do okay i'm gonna to have to shorten the season instead of eight weeks arch and i got four yeah. And that's what people don't see. And you're seeing it more and more as, as a society, we're getting lazier and lazier. Hmm. And you see that with all this, uh, this technology and that, and that's what's happening. We're trying to make this easy. Yeah. Sorry, boys and girls, it's hunting. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. That's the challenge of this. That's, that's right. what the. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you make some really good points there and, and they are, they can be hard to hear and they can be hard to say and they can, they can yeah. Be I mean, like I said, I've gotten to the point now where, where you can't be afraid to say, like I said, if it's legal, you have every single right to, mm-hmm. um, but we do got to take, take a step back. All of us, yeah. archery, bow hunters, yep. rifle hunters, muzzleloader, take a step back. Traditionists take a step back. And, and so we can preserve this sport for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yep, I agree, and and uh, it does start to become a you know a haves and have nots, and and I do think you know too along the lines of the slippery slope uh, with the camera bans, it, it won't just stop there, and that's an and it tie and it ties in well with the argument of the haves and the have nots, and um, uh, again, uh, Steve Ranella made this point after the Kansas trail camera ban, he uh, said. I think it was, it was either him or it might've been Ryan Callahan. Um, they said, uh, so you mean to tell me that because someone owns land, they get more hunting rights than, uh, somebody who's stuck hunting public yeah. land. That's you, another problem with it. You're dividing you know? the public and private guys. It, yep. You know, that, that is not right. And because the first off, if you're a private landowner, you have every right to do what you want to do on your property. You want to put cameras right. up for surveillance. You have every single right. Yep. And, Screw yep. the liberal government. They shouldn't, they don't have that right. But, but when you start separating just because I hunt public, that's not yeah. fair to the public land guy, you know, that he doesn't get that same, you know, yes, th- th- be able to use that same tool. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it, 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 again, it, it goes to the fact that one of the things that, well, I've said this before, I think one of our biggest exercises of freedom is being able to go onto public land and use it how you want, you know, yeah, and be able to hunt and be able to, and, yeah. and what a beautiful picture that is when you go back in history and look at what are, are, uh, you know, what the people who emigrated to America from European countries, what their hunting opportunities were there, non-existent, right? It was yeah. the King's deer. You can't, you can't, yep can't you can't hunt and then they come here and now they can hunt and as we start to take you know you're really chipping (laughs) away at that as you remove those freedoms on public land and create those limitations but on private land you get to have it how you know however you want and and which i agree with you i think it should be that i I don't think the answer should be well let's ban it in both places i think don't ban it in either place um i do think too you know you make up you, you made the point a little bit of just almost some self-police work. Um, you know, Hey, I want to, I may have this right to do this, but I'm going to really try hard to learn the vertical, bro, vertical bow. And I'm going to uh, try and, and hunt in that way. Um, like, I think that's a, 
I think that that's a good that's a good example of that. But also, um, I think uh, when we can have a situation where there are so many cameras on a piece of public land, um, it does start to make people feel uncomfortable on on yeah. that too. I mean, you know? like you uh, said, it, I, there has to be. Maybe we do have to take a step back, sportsmen. Um, like I run a lot of cameras. Um, yeah, but 30, 30 cameras is, is a far cry from what I hear from some guys, you know, they're yeah, talking and hundreds. And like I said, I cover like five counties. Yeah. You know, I'm covering a very large portion. Um, so do you get to the point where, you know, I think when they say Kentucky, you're gonna have to put your CID number on there, you know, your, yeah. your license or whatever number on there. Do you do it to where you're limited? You know, I don't know how they even keep track of it. Yeah. Um, you know, you only get X, Y, Z for cameras. I don't know. I, you know, I don't honestly know that know the answer to it. Um, I know one thing. The problem is these people making decisions aren't real intelligent. You know, with yeah. hunting in general. Yeah. The how you talk, you hear the ones in Kansas, they don't even know what cell cam is. You know, <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> is. Know, yep. I, I would like to see almost a board of hunters and outdoorsmen. Yeah. You know, kind of participate in this to help make this decision because, yes, we do need to be restricted a little bit in some things because yeah, you shouldn't have to walk out on a piece of public land and see two hundred cameras. Right. You know, because that takes away from everybody, or you don't yep. want to see thirty presets across you know ladder stands. Yep. Yeah, there have to be. We have to have some common sense here with this. Um, mm-hmm. But what the answer is, it, I don't know. I think we need to start though is. A lot of guys in the industry, I've actually talked to a couple of buddies in the industry. Um, there does need to be an organization. We need to start something to where we can push back on some of this. Because like you said, okay, it's a cell cam. And we see this right now. They're going to continue. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we see the country in general, how liberal it yeah. is. Um, we definitely need to organize. Instead of, yes, crossbows and bow dividing, we need to come together a little bit and have an organization where we can have some power, you know, you know, to push these legislations and push these laws, um, you know, restrict some stuff here that we're not getting screwed all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think uh, a good organization that's doing a lot of that work that and uh, I've had Charles on the podcast a couple of times, Howell. Um, oh, they're, yes. They're yes. constantly at. I'd have to, to say they're probably the top one right now. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're probably the top dog, you know? Yep. And, and also, you know, if this stuff's going on, um, I mean, I, I really think Charles and, and the people that, uh, he has helping him do a really incredible job trying to, to catch everything that comes down the pipeline. But, that's a it, that's an extremely challenging job to get everything. So if they're if you yeah, feel like there's hard. something they're not seeing in your state, bring it to to Charles' attention. You know, send him a he he asks for that. He wants people to reach out because yeah. it helps him uh, raise the you know the awareness and and the call to action uh, from from the hunting community. And uh, I've heard some shots taken at Howell. Don't do that. That's a place that's trying to help us, you know? Yeah. I've and, seen it personally. I get the emails, you know, it, it takes yep. five seconds to sign a pension, yeah. you know, let that electronic signature, you know, and then, you, you know, a few weeks later you see the, the actually your vote or we, yeah. your signature actually did something. You yep. see that first. Yep. Minute, you yep. Know? yep. And I've heard, I've heard, uh, People criticize, say, "Oh, those emails. They, they well, as soon as they get those, they just throw them in the garbage." And I brought that up to, to, yeah. um, 
Charles and he's like, uh, no, that's not true. I can tell you yeah. co- countless times where I've had uh, senators and congressmen contact me specifically and uh, be like, wow, you know, uh, everyone was talking about how they got just totally inundated with emails from hunters sharing their opinion on this, you know? Yeah. You know, some other yeah. things too. You mentioned the crossbow thing here in Iowa, a group that really helped with that. Um, is the Iowa Bow Hunters Association. So check yeah. out, and, I, I, and yeah. I don't, I'm not here to tell you that every state bow hunters association is created equal and has necessarily the best priorities. Um, I think it's, it's definitely a state by state case. So, you know, yeah. suss it out and, and check it out and become involved in that way. But uh, they worked really hard uh, to, to fight the crossbow push, which again, as Ryan said, did not come from hunters. Didn't, it came from a crossbow manufacturer. Yep. Uh, yes, and, it's where it's coming from. And, and let's think about this, people. If if a company cannot, I mean, they can sell crossbows in Iowa. You can, it's they're they're for sale on the shelves here, but it's for the people that can't use a vertical bow, or you can use it during. Um, I think it's the late muzzleloader season is when you can use yeah. it here in Iowa, um, which is great. You know, I'd say it's pretty mm-hmm. well on par with a muzzleloader. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, so they can sell them here, but imagine how many more they could sell if all of a sudden now you can use a a crossbow during um, the general archery season. It's nothing but a money-making opportunity for those companies. That's why that push is going to be there. It's about money. Yep. And uh, Skip Sly, specifically. Skip is a good friend of mine. Went and worked his tail off to uh, block that from from, – getting past here and he's he did that with the help of the iowa bow hunters association and so um it, we got to be active and we got to be looking at what is what does this boil down to you know i heard uh i was just talking with a, a friend of mine a really good friend of mine uh he's a newer hunter uh, he's doing great and he's and he was telling me about the reduction zones deer reduction zones in uh, his state indiana he yeah. said, "Yeah, they're along these uh, roadways." And I was like, uh, "Yeah, why do you think? Why do you think that is?" <laughs> yeah, and, sure. Is, I sure guess just so. Yeah, it has like yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, people don't hit them with their cars. Yeah, and who wins when people don't hit them with yeah. their cars financially? Who wins? Yeah, and it's the insurance companies. You know, yeah. it's it's yep. uh, you know, so money, money that none of us can attain. You know, uh, very wealthy. Uh, corporations we don't want them deciding what happens with our deer we want and we want that's where the route we're going right now yep 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 we yep. want deer biologists deciding yes what's best for yes. our herds and yep and we as hunters need to be in communication with them so that we know what's best for our deer herds too and share yep. and participating in our bow hunter surveys and and everything else. So, yeah, I man, this I didn't even have this on the list, man. This was such a great conversation. And yeah, we we like I said, I I try. You know, you get to a point with all this. We all try to be politi- politically correct in the world. Screw yeah. that, man. Get the wild, man. You got to get the ball and stand up. I, you know what yeah. I mean? It, it's it, it's falling. It, the world's falling apart around you. Yeah, you're letting you fall apart. You got to do something. Yep, yep. You got to you got to say you got to say the truth. You got to speak the truth. Yep. If you don't speak the truth, then 
really important, really important things fall apart around us, just like you said. They do. Yeah. And and we can't we can't have that. So man, Ryan. Uh, I feel like we need to we need to end on like a good positive thing here. <laughs> yeah. If you had yeah. if you had uh let's see here. If you had one tip for listeners right now that are still trying to fill a tag, this so this is for me too. I wanna I wanna get a buck yet this year. I really want I wanna try to do that. Uh we're going into late season. Um uh there's ag land in PA, although I know you hunt the mountains. But just yeah. listener dynamics, most come from the Midwest here for this podcast. So you're in you're in an ag land type setting. How are you with a bow? Uh, going to try and tag a buck um, going into this this last bit of the deer season. Well, I'm probably the typically I'm blessed. I usually don't have to late season hunt. Sure. <laughs> so I'm yep. probably the worst. I'm not real <laughs> great at late season hunting. Um, so how I would defer is uh, a good friend of mine. He's Cisco. Yeah. Any podcast you can find, he's Cisco, the Iceman. <laughs> he's just been on a couple. Yeah. Um, he's actually killed, I think the last two bucks he's actually killed in October. So he's kind of slacking on his, <laughs> on his nickname. Um, but I have a ton of respect for that man. He is one of the best in the country. And I'm telling you, I just, he was just on uh, the Mission Whitetail uh, okay. podcast yep. um, with Joe Moms. If you're struggling and you're looking for late season, that's the man to listen to. And he just had an absolute fantastic podcast with Joe Miles, the Mission Whitetail. Go listen to him. Don't listen to me. Listen to him. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. That's great. And I can, I can uh, attest to that as well. I think he was on, um, I think he was on uh with jake hofer on the exodus podcast this yeah, time was, last day what he is he, he he has killed a lot of big whitetails but you wouldn't know it talking to him one of the most humblest men i know um him like i said i've been fortunate enough guys like him um even nathan killen who you know mm -hmm. uh was once part of him he's on his own thing now um those guys like that man <laughs> man uh they're awesome uh, yeah. just like i said those guys have taught me just not about white tails, uh, just how to be a man in life in general. I've taken a lot of tips from them guys. Uh, uh, you know, I look up to a lot of those guys like that. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, th those are the guys there. You know, I get on these podcasts, stuff like that, but um, those are the true legends, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, we'll be looking back and talking about for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's, that's awesome advice. Definitely look up Heath. I've heard some great late season advice from him myself, uh, on those, on some different podcasts. So, uh, definitely, yep. uh, check him out. Ryan, thank you so much for joining in, uh, to the listeners. Thank you for coming back every episode. Love talking with you. Um, hopefully you're enjoying the podcast and finding it to be helpful. Um, when we have guys like Ryan on here, uh, it just makes us all better. And, uh, that, that includes myself. I, I can't tell you how much better I've gotten at deer hunting through doing this podcast for the past three and a half years. Um, it's just been, been a, uh, tremendous help to me. And, uh, if you're feeling the same way, please leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Uh, that just does a huge favor, uh, to the show, gets the word out there to others, shows that it's a legitimate resource that they can, they can trust and lean on for good hunting conversation and strategies and everything else that makes you feel a part of the hunting community. 
I uh, want to thank the presenting sponsor for this podcast, Spartan Forge. Uh, we talked about uh, Johnny Stewart and uh, Bill Thompson, two guys closely tied in with Spartan Forge, but there's a lot of other great ones out there too. Um, of course, um, the Seek One crew and um, uh, uh, Taylor Chamberlain, you know, just to name a few of the guys that, that believe in Spartan Forge and use it with great effectiveness. Um you know, uh, we've been talking about hunting technology and that's, that's part of it. And, and, uh, I think that's one thing that, that truly is an all around great thing that we've gained is just the mapping technology. I think it keeps people safer. I think it keeps people respecting property boundaries, uh, better. I think it helps, um, with recovering deer by being able to drop pins and, and map things out. Um, but it, but it also helps if you're a busy person, you got a limited amount of time off from work or, um, you're a family guy or, or, or a mom or something like that, where you got to be at home. A lot of the time you need to really prioritize your best opportunity days for this busy season in your life. Um, Spartan Forge helps you with that too, with the AI, uh, deer movement, uh, prediction and helps, you know, when, when the best days are in your area to get out and hunt, uh, Bill has poured his life's work into that project and um it's it's just a phenomenal resource you can get the mapping for free if you go to the link in uh, the show notes here or if you go to my uh link tree in my instagram bio and go to the the spartan forge uh, website it'll direct you to your app store for your that matches your service or, in, or your phone and uh um, you can download that, or if you do like I do and just pay the annual subscription, you get all the features that are available through Spartan Forge, which is a tremendously powerful resource. Again, Caleb and I used that the entire time we were hunting out in Nebraska, and it helped us both tag deer and was uh, just a great resource. So uh, uh, definitely check that out. Also, uh, Alex from East to West Hunts, the absolute best hunt planner in the business. He has that personal touch. There's other hunt planning services out there, but they are not nearly as personal as Alex is. Um, he's, he goes through it top to bottom, helps you with the tag application process, um, helps you buy points, helps you uh, set up your where you're going to be staying, helps you, uh, you know, get flights booked. And uh, uh, I mean, just top to bottom, find a taxidermist, rent gear, Everything you need to have a successful hunt experience, Alex will plan it for you and walk you through the entire process. Go to eastwesthunts.com, request a free consultation with Alex, and tell him you heard about uh, his services on this podcast, and you'll save yourself 10% off your uh, final bill. So just a great resource there. I strongly encourage you to use that. And then finally, you tag something great, get it, get it done up great. Go to a good taxidermist. Nobody likes bad taxidermy. Um, I can tell. I can guarantee you one thing. Uh, when I asked uh, Ryan earlier, what's the mount he would he would uh, take instantly if his house was on fire? I bet you that's a good looking mount. If it was a ratty looking mount, he'd probably let it burn, right? Because people that get bad mounts, they don't ever want to look at them ever again. So get it done the right way. Go to Old Barn Taxidermy. Sam Gaylord is just as good as it gets in the business. Um, he's been doing it for forty years. He's had a shop in, here in Iowa, down southeast Iowa, but also out in Denver, Colorado, where he did work for years out there. Um, he's done it all, 
and he still continues to do it all. They do over 500 shoulder mounts in their shop every year, but they also do turkeys, they do fish, they do bears, they do mountain lions, they do it all. Mule deer, elk, go right on down the list. Sam is the man, and his team there at Old Barn Taxidermy will take care of you. I uh, look forward to that trip every year. I got a nice mule deer hide to bring them to tan for me this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out with Sam and Colton when I go down there to visit. Um, Be sure to tell them that I sent you there. That helps me and helps them. And uh, just be really appreciative if you did that. But thank you again, everybody. And thank you, Ryan, for joining me. Until next time, everyone, take care and take someone hunted.